Welcome back to the Settlement Recovery Podcast. I'm Riley Bostwick, your host for today, and I'm talking with Adam Schmidt, Vice President of Business Development at MCAG. We're going to talk about the most common questions people ask about class action settlements. Stay tuned. I'm here with Adam Schmidt. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. Hey, thanks for having me, Riley. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Uh, Today we're going to talk about the top questions people have when it comes to class action settlements. I think that the work that you do gives you some great insight on what businesses really want to know. So can we start by talking a little bit about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The Class Action Settlement Recovery Service is what what the official name of our business. Uh, And we contract primarily with large organizations, so hospitals, healthcare systems, uh, large employers. They're not all uh, very large organizations, but generally the rule of thumb is the larger the organization, the more employees they have, the more settlements they're going to be eligible for, uh, the more money they're likely to get back from these settlements. So it just it, it appeals to them a little bit more, makes yeah. more sense to them. Um, and I, and all, all of the settlements that we deal with are antitrust in nature. So the organization or their benefit plan or some part of the organization is the class member. It's not individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you know, we're not doing product or health violations. These are generally all antitrust in nature, and they cover all different types of areas. Right. And so you're working with a lot of businesses of all different industries, right? Yeah, and a lot of different uh, departments within those organizations. Sometimes we're working with uh, HR, supply chain, legal, finance. Um, it depends on the types of settlements that they're interested in mm-hmm. and uh, you know, how, which partner of ours introduced, them, uh, introduced us to them. Right, okay. Um, but uh, they all have the same component. It's, it's cash for recoveries. They have to prove if they had losses. Um, and that's what we come in and do for them. Okay. So do most businesses that you work with you know, know exactly what class action settlements are? They do more now than they did 10 years ago. Um, but most of them, you know, there, there's a number of cases out there. It's usually linked to dollar amount or uh, familiarity with the brand. Okay. You know, so anytime you get settlements that surpass, you know, $100 million or more in eligible funds, or if it's a very uh, recognizable defendant um, that's settling, you know, they'll at least be familiar with it. Uh, some companies do have departments that, that – regularly check and file into class action settlements. But one thing we've noticed, and, and they'll readily admit this, is that there's such a wide range of settlements these days that it's really rare that they're catching all of them. Um, and so that's what they, you know, will either supplement and file into the settlements that they're not already take advantage of, or what typically happens is uh, we'll start, if we start doing that within a year or so, we'll just usually take over all the settlements for them because they realize they can hand it off. We do it on a contingency fee basis. It's just a lot easier and frees them up to do more of their standard work. Yeah, might as well. Yeah. That's awesome. What are some questions that you typically get asked? Yeah, I mean, one of the questions that we always get, and unfortunately it's one we don't have a great answer for, is, you know, how much money can we get from these settlements? Mm. Um, And we do have, you know, typical responses, and this doesn't even have to be uh, based on a certain type of settlement, but but just in general settlements, you're usually going to get between uh, a penny to ten cents on the dollar uh, on spend for whatever the issue was. Okay. Um, now that's not even you know guaranteed. A lot of times it can. We do have settlements that paid out as much as seventy one cents on the dollar, mm-hmm. and certain types of settlements might average you know fifty cents on the dollar. So that gives a little bit of a range. 
But the real issue is that almost all the settlements are pro rata, which means it's the total volume submitted versus the total dollar amounts available. And since the total amount that's going to be submitted is an unknown, there's no way we can typically know ahead of time. So what we typically tell our clients is, you know, if you want to range, you know, one cents to 10 cents on the dollar is, is a range that's reasonable. But, you know, one of the benefits of our service is that we try to make it so that our clients spend no time on this process. You know, we've partnered with a lot of different organizations where we can get the data to prove the losses so they don't have to go through digging up reports and things like that. Mm-hmm. So what we tell them is, you know, regardless of the amount that you get back from any particular settlement, uh, the ROI is pretty high because in most of these, you spent almost no time on it. So any amount you get back is profit. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, aside from that, you know, we build up a pipeline pretty quickly once we start filing. It's not uncommon, especially for large organizations that will file into eight or nine settlements per year. And so even if some of the payouts from some of those are pretty small, you have, you know, potentially eight or nine payments coming up. And one of those is likely to be pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that resonates with them. It makes sense to them. And it, it's just the truth of the industry. There's no way around that. Yeah, it seems, I mean, it seems like a lot of people want to know, how much they could get paid, but also when they could get paid. Um, and neither of those are always easy to predict, right? Right. And then you bring up the second part of that question is, when will we be paid? Yeah. And, uh, you know, historically, uh, you know, I've been here for 14 years, been in this business for 14 years. In the beginning, you know, I would say it average 12 to 18 months from the filing deadline was usually when you would get paid from a settlement. Um, over time, that has dragged out a little bit more. It's now it's probably say closer to 18 to 24 months. Now, COVID was a big part of that because that slowed the courts down so much. So basically, yeah. you know, anything you filed from 2019 onward has taken longer. Um, the good news is that, you know, sort of the glut that built up as a result of that is, is filtering out now. And in 2022, we had a record year, the most settlements had ever paid out since the founding of the company. Um, so they are getting better at that. But um, there's just a lot more appeals and things like that that they want to iron out before they'll distribute funds. And so generally, you know, 18 to 24 months is a pretty safe bet. For really large settlements, you know, it could be 36 months after the filing deadline before they pay out. And again, we're really open and upfront with our clients about that. And that's why we say, you know, we focus on building up the pipeline so that, you know, once payments do start coming, you always have more arriving behind that. Yeah. Okay, so what else do businesses want to know when you first approach them? Right. There's a few other uh, instances that come up in almost every conversation. Um, One is, you know, what if we decide that we want to file into some of these settlements on our own? Or if we've already filed into some settlements on our own uh, and would like to do so going forward? Uh, Because our contract is generally what we call an all-settlements agreement. And that actually is a result of what our clients wanted. In the beginning, um, we would sign up for individual settlements or a block of settlements, which is what most of our competitors do. And a lot of our clients were saying, well, why would I only sign up for those? You know, we're either, we're either tracking all these or we're not. And if we're not and we're hiring you to do that, why wouldn't we just have you do all settlements? And we said, that, that's great. That actually makes perfect sense. Um, so that's really what we start to file into now. But to answer the question, um, you know, if clients do file directly, meaning they, they get the data, they fill out all the paperwork, submit it, we don't challenge that in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, if a client chooses to file directly, 
we just move on to the next settlement. That's part of the beauty of the all settlements agreement. There's plenty of plenty of settlements out there. There's no reason for us to focus on any one or, you know, get upset if a client decides they want to file on their own. Um, so we're very flexible about that, which is something that they definitely appreciate. Um, you know, our general rule is if we did the work, if we gathered the data and submitted a claim, you know, we would obviously be expected to pay, be paid for that settlement. But if you're going to go ahead and do the work, you know, we'd appreciate if you'd let us know ahead of time so we don't spend any time on it. But they have the right to file into those settlements on their own, and we do not challenge that. And that Fine. puts a lot of clients at ease yeah. uh, right away that we take that stance because, frankly, a lot of our competitors don't. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a lot of the companies that you deal with, um, you know, already have a good understanding of what settlements are and how they operate, right? I mean, do you deal with anyone that has no idea what a class action settlement is, and, and what would you say to those companies? Yeah, I mean, it, it's rare that we get into that situation because uh, we do what's a, called a partner-focused model um, for two reasons. One is they're great marketing sources, so um, GPOs, state hospital associations, uh, large insurance brokers, those are the type of entities that we're working with that generally market this. So they'll sort of be our front-end introduction to their clients. Um, and typically, you know, they'll give them a one-pager or I might do a webinar PowerPoint to give them a brief background of it. Um, so that's, that's a great benefit that we have in this service, and it goes both ways. Um, additionally, uh, there also can be a great source of the data that we need for these types of settlements. So if it's, uh, you know, a, a settlement against a large commercial payer, um, you know, there's no better place to get the type of data that we need to file those claims than from our clearinghouse partners and practice management provider, uh, software provider partners. Um, so that's a really beautiful thing. I, I would say it's pretty rare that we would get in front of a potential client that doesn't know anything about class action settlements. Okay. Um, but I will say on that front, another question that we commonly get, not, not so much anymore, but one that we used to get a lot, especially from legal, was you know, if, if we file into this settlement um, and we have a large volume because the defendant is one of our major suppliers, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, is there going to be any type of targeting or clapback from us filing into these settlements? Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've always been able to answer that question with extreme confidence and saying, no, uh, it's very, very rare that that would happen. Uh, one is the way that we file the claims is we're really the, the entity that the administrator and the defendants are seeing. They're seeing MCAG, and then we're filing thousands of claims underneath that. So there's no real exposure uh, as to who our clients are. But even if there was, um, most of the time, the defendants want you to take the money. They want this issue to go away. They don't, mm -hmm. They're being sued for whatever the issue is. They're, they're not admitting wrongdoing or denying wrongdoing. They just want this issue to go away. Well, if they see that you went out and took money from the settlement, they know that you're never going to come after them for this issue again. Um, and so That's it actually point. is, yeah, it's actually almost peace of mind to them. Although, uh, admittedly, I don't think they pay very much attention at all to who actually takes the money. Um, I've never sure. seen that to be the case. But it's, it's a question that does come up. The flip side of that, I would say, is there are, and we even have clients that do this sometimes, they opt out if they have extremely large volume. So they basically say, we don't want to be part of the settlement we want to go and sue the defendants directly, um, which is a completely their right and can make sense in certain situations. But then I always say, well, now you are going to have a target on your back because now yeah. you're directly suing them, and, and right or wrong, um, you know, uh, that that's the one time when they're definitely going to know who you are. They definitely know that you're coming after them. Um, so I would actually argue that most of the time, 
you know, participating in the settlement offers some anonymity. You're listening to the Settlement Recovery Podcast. Today we're talking with Adam Schmidt, VP of Business Development, about the FAQs of class action settlements. So Adam, what's important for people to know about class actions in 2023? Well, first off, there's been a pretty good uptick in the number of settlements that we've seen in the marketplace, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in drugs and pharmaceutical settlements against manufacturers. Um, These historically have occurred with pretty regular frequency, meaning there might have been three or four per year in some years. Some years there might only be two. But for the last few years, we've pretty seen pretty consistently there's been about six or even more uh, of those types of settlements. And again, there's been some uh, more movement along the product settlement front. So things like flat screen TVs, computer monitors, cell phones, uh, a lot of those types of products, whether it's components within them like lithium ion batteries or the screens themselves, um, there's been more litigation on those fronts. And those settlements tend to pay out pretty well um, because they're expensive items. So generally, you know, the amount you spend per flat screen TV, if you purchase one and you're a big hospital facility or a hotel where you have one in every room, you know, that's going to be a pretty significant return. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're seeing a lot of movement in those types of areas. And then obviously the largest class action settlement in history, uh, the Visa MasterCard interchange fee settlement has just cleared another major hurdle. Um, You know, the uh, second appeals court, federal appeals court, uh, upheld the decision, which is one of the things holding it up. So that could go live this year. It would not be surprising if it did. That's one that virtually every one of our clients is at least somewhat familiar with. Right. And then there's outstanding uh, potential litigation against the Blue Cross Blue Shield plans, which could result in a multi-billion dollar settlement as well. So anytime we're seeing settlements that surpass the billion-dollar mark. That's extremely rare. Uh, you know, I've been doing this for 14 years. I think I've seen three settlements ever that have surpassed mm-hmm. a billion dollars, and there could be two potentially going live in the same year. That's pretty significant. Yeah. Okay. So last question here. So you touched on this earlier, but why would anyone choose MCAG over competitors? I think there's several reasons that that most of our clients. Uh, choose to go with us and end up staying with us for a long time. We see this process. I mean, it's a cliche that's used all the time, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. We really, when we sign these contracts, we basically expect to have these clients for life. And for the most part, we do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a number of reasons for that. One, as I mentioned earlier, is we really focus on the client spending very little to no time on the process. That's not always possible, and we're very upfront about that. We will say to our clients, if there's a settlement where we cannot get access to the data for whatever reason, you know, we will reach out to you and let you know what we would need in order to complete the filing. Uh, if you cannot get it or you're unwilling to get it because it's too much of, a, too much of an ask, there's no penalty. You know, we just don't file into that settlement and we move on to the next one. But for the vast majority of settlements, we're able to get the data without the clients having to spend any time on it. We can get it from our partners, from us, uh, databases that we have subscriptions to. There's a lot of different places where we can get that data. So the ROI remains high, and it's easy for them. You know, I, I don't like to use the word subcontract, but that's really what they do. We're just taking it off of their desk. You know, this is one less thing for you to worry about. We know the reasons why our clients don't spend a lot of time on this. You have no idea what it's going to pay out, when it's going to pay out. So trying to create a budget or spend a lot of time 
uh, on this process doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense, regardless of the size of your organization. Mm -hmm. um, but when you have a company like ours that really checks all the boxes for them, you know, they don't have to spend a lot of time on it. We can get the access to data. It's a, we do it on a contingency fee basis. So we're only sending checks net of our fee with a reconciliation. We're never sending bills or invoices. Uh, those are a lot of things that just make it a no-brainer. And especially when we can, you know, talk to them a year after enrollment and say, here's the pipeline that we've already built up. Here's all the settlements that we filed into. It's just a really nice peace of mind for them. Yeah. And our service is very counter-cyclical, meaning... You know, when the economy is great, um, people don't pay as much attention to our service as they would otherwise. But, you know, when there's talk of recessions or the economy is down a little bit and everyone's grinding for every dollar that they can get, our service makes a lot more sense because there's no cost for them to do it. And it's a way for them to start building revenue back up and bring some peace of mind. Yep. Uh, so that's really the major reasons why most of our clients sign up with us, why the partners that we work with have chosen us to partner with us and uh, why we've been so successful up to this point. That's great. Well, thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Riley. All right, we'll talk again soon. But in the meantime, if you want to connect with Adam and learn more about MCAG's Settlement Recovery Service, there's information in the notes of this podcast. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we do, then share, subscribe, and leave a review on iTunes. Also, send us your questions at info at That's all for now, but we'll talk again on the next episode of the Settlement Recovery Podcast.